Welcome to the pulse that moves the triangle world today. This one-size-fits-all broadcast is a vibrant collection of stories, medical breakthroughs, helpful tips, what's trending, events, and boundless other adventures. It's a conversation pit of comedians, politicians, authors, chefs, sports figures, experts, the common and the uncommon. Here's the host of Triangle 411, Mary Inspreffer. Hi, friends. So I call this show New Year's Resolutions and Other Myths, Setting Yourself Up for Failure. Come January 1, somehow a spell drapes over us that in a sense forces a goal onto our calendars. We make the commitments wholeheartedly with perpetual gumption. I will advance my career. I will get married. I will run a marathon. Or the number one most common New Year's resolution, I will lose weight. In many cases, by February 1, all our lofty aspirations have magically disappeared as quickly as they materialized. And once again, we have set ourselves up for failure. Feeling like a failure chews our souls. It is such a psychological rampage that we run and hide from it. We cower at its chokehold. Many spend their lives trying to escape its grip, so much so that there is countless advice on the subject. I mean, countless advice. You can even go to oprah.com forward slash inspiration forward slash overcome dash feeling dash like dash a uh, dash you guessed it failure <laughs> oh feeling like a failure that's some sage advice on this on the subject at that site additionally oprah winfrey calls marie forleo the thought leader of the next generation forleo advises and it's a quote don't give the fear of failure a chance to harden in your bones Get back up while the fear is fresh. Harden in your bones. I think that is powerful because I think that's what failure is doing to a lot of us. It just hardens in our bones. For me, and many of you will recognize this from my past broadcasts, I am big on it's all about attitude. Take Thomas Edison, for example. We would still be shutting down our lives come dusk if he gave up after failing at the light bulb. Instead, his attitude is reflected in his quote, I have not failed. I have just found 10,000 ways that won't work. <laughs> I also love this attitude adjustment advice from Robert F. Kennedy, who said, I quote, only those who dare to fail greatly can ever achieve greatly. Think about that power for a moment. I want to achieve great things, don't you? So I guess I am up for failing greatly to achieve greatly. Again, how about you? You say, Mary, that's all well and good, but how do I change my attitude? It's tough, I know. Well, here to lend a hand is Leslie Becker Phelps, Ph.D. 
Leslie is a well-respected licensed psychologist. She has a YouTube channel and is a prolific writer who authored the books Insecure in Love and Bouncing Back from Rejection. She writes the weekly relationships blog for WebMD. I, I I go to that site a lot. And also writes a blog called Making Change for Psychology Today. In addition, she offers guided self-help consultations internationally for those interested in her work. Welcome, Leslie. Hi. So I imagine our bad attitude about failing is somewhat embedded in our psyche by pressure from our parents, friends, teachers, etc. to do well, and the punishment that comes with failure to get that A on the report card or get on the track team or whatever. Absolutely. Absolutely. And how we relate to failure, and really relate to failure or, or success, has a lot to do with how we're taught to relate to them. So when you value yourself as a, a person, when that's all tied up in success or failure on how you do particular tasks, then that affects how you relate to yourself and also how you relate to other people. So if we if we need to succeed or failure at all, um, need to succeed or avoid failure at all costs, then um, we feel that that's what our worth is about. Whereas if we also um, if we focus more on feeling good about ourselves, then it feels good to succeed and not so good to fail, but it doesn't mean everything. So it's really important that we focus on ourselves rather than on the outcome. So that seems like there, yeah, it does. It kind of sounds like there is an escape from, from these feelings that have been so instilled in us. An escape. and, And it's really, so you, when people struggle so much with failure, it's because they're, they're focused so much on the outcome as opposed to growth, right? So when we focus on our growth, then if we fail, it's like, oh, wow, what did I learn from this? And then it's an opportunity as opposed to, you know, such a big hit to our, our self-esteem or how we feel about ourselves. So, so generally, why do people fear failure so much? Well, again, a lot of times people have been taught or have learned to equate their worth with performance. And so the more you do that, the more you're going to fear failure or fear judgment from others. You feel rejection from others. Um, and so that's why it's so important to, to be aware of yourself and to feel good about you and to develop what I would call compassionate self-awareness which is to be aware of yourself from a compassionate perspective. So when things don't go right, you can still feel good about you, even as you're struggling with some particular situation. Ooh, I like that. Um, what about, like, talking about our feelings on failure? Is that a you know, good I or bad idea? <laughs> well, I think it's, it's what's most important is how you talk about it. And whether you're talking to someone else or yourself, it's how you approach it. So um, if, if dialogue with yourself or with someone else includes support, you know, like, oh, I know you, know, you didn't do as well as you wanted, but you, know, you really tried hard and maybe there's things you can learn. And, and it's a supportive approach and talking about it helps. But, you know, you could talk with someone and they can put you down. And they could be critical and talking about failure in that case doesn't help at all. makes it worse. Mm-hmm. So, again, I would go back to that concept I mentioned of 
compassionate self-awareness. When you're talking with yourself to be compassionate or um, to have that compassionate self-awareness, or if you're talking with others, you want to talk with people who are supportive and compassionate to the struggles you're having or the failures that you've experienced. Okay. So that sounds a lot like just give yourself a break. <laughs> it, you know, everybody fails and, and, uh, is it okay to fail? Not only is it okay to fail, but in a, in a you know, healthy person who's growing, it's essential because if we never, the only way you can never fail, I'm actually, I'm not even sure you could ever never fail, but if you're really trying for that, then you're not going to try new things, which means you're not going to, not going to grow. So again, we're back to that growth mentality of if you can look at um, how you're doing or any particular failures as an opportunity to learn something, then um, then you're going to do well, and you're not going to worry so much about failure or about being rejected by others or you know criticized by others. So not only is it you know like I said, not only is it okay to fail, but it's important to actually have those opportunities. Okay, so that kind of that kind of goes into a couple different areas. Um, let let me first start with this. Some people are just okay with failing and have a better attitude about it. Why is that so for some? Well, it's it's easier for some people because again, I, I would go back to you know the same concept of if they're more secure in themselves as a person, then making a mistake or having a failure doesn't define them. Right, and, and that's why a lot of times the more someone um, gets experience in some particular area, they don't worry about failing so much um, because they know if they make a mistake that there's so much more. They have more expertise, and so they don't worry so much. And so that's that's the distinction I would make. Does that make that make sense to you? It does make sense to me. Um, but can you put that in a little bit more, like define that a little bit more? Like, how do we become these positive people? Well, the way to become a positive, more positive kind of person is to be able to um, work on feeling more positively about yourself. And that doesn't mean just having more successes, but to seeing yourself as a whole person, that you have worth, you have value just for being you. And if you can care about yourself, the way you would care about a friend or someone else, then, you know, like when a friend fails or makes a mistake, then you would be empathic towards them. You'd be caring towards them. And if you can view yourself in the same way, that if you, you know, you, you care about yourself, so if you struggle, then you show caring, you show that compassionate self-awareness, then you're going to naturally be more positive. You're going to be, take a more supportive, caring approach towards yourself. You're going to be able to grow in that way. Uh, we know from from research that people who have higher self-compassion are more positive. They take difficulties and stride more. They look on the more positive side of things. But they don't they don't um, deny difficulty. They can say, "Wow, this was really hard," or "I really didn't do so well here or there." But they can also say, "But you know, boy, that was really hard for me to go through." And so they still, in the end, feel good about themselves, even if they acknowledge difficulties or failures. So in that way, they remain positive. That's great input. Um, that that I think that really hits home, and I, I hope that will help a lot of our listeners because, you know, you often hear about 
Of course, a lot of times you don't hear from people until you've already been gone. <laughs> but if you could hear from people sometimes what they feel about you, uh, you know, there's all, all, often direction about you don't look at yourself the way other people look at you. And if you could know how other people are looking at you, um, whatever it might be, you might think you're heavy. Somebody else looking at you thinks you're thin. Uh, you might think I'm slow at this and somebody else might be looking at you and thinking, wow, she's so great and so fast at that. And it's kind of like that mindset again of, of self-love, like you're talking about that. If you look at yourself the way other people look at you, sometimes you'd be surprised just how great you are. <laughs> Right. I think, you know, a big part of that is being able to, again, coming back to this, you can learn to feel good about yourself. You can be open to the feedback. So sometimes we don't take in the good feedback or we don't see somebody is responding in a positive way because we're expecting some of the negativity, right? So if you're more, feel more okay with yourself, then you're, then you're more open to that positive feedback, whether it's verbal or sometimes just the way people interact with you. They're showing you that they have these positive thoughts or feelings. And frankly, if they maybe have some, say, constructive criticism or they have, they're not happy with something you did, you can accept that more because, again, it doesn't, you don't allow that to define you. You can still be more, more positive in how you respond. Right, and criticism does not equate to failure. Does not equate to failure. Mm-hmm. And does not equate to somebody, you know, overall viewing you negatively, right? I mean, it might, but a lot of times, especially with friends, they might be telling you some piece of information, some some something that's bothering them, but it doesn't mean it defines how they think about you as a whole. It's not failure. It's not rejection. It's just, here's this, this thing that bothers me. You know, I was upset when you said this or that, or you did this or that. So this all sounds good on paper, and I'm just wondering if you could give some definitive, maybe, I don't know how many, I'm not going to put a number on it, but some some specific steps, healthy ways to cope with failure. Mm-hmm. Like if you had to give me a one, two, sure. three, four, whatever, what, what would you recommend to our listeners? Mm-hmm. Well, I would say the first thing is, you want to just acknowledge whatever your reaction is. So if you failed at something, you want to acknowledge, you know, you felt embarrassed or you felt like a failure or it was, you know, painful in some way, just allow yourself that experience because that's part of who you are. It's part of your reaction. And then when you can allow for that and have compassion for how you feel, like, wow, a lot of people, if they made this mistake or did this thing, they would also struggle then you would be caring towards yourself. Then you can kind of look at, open yourself up to, okay, so where do I go from here? And you can look for opportunities to grow. You know, what did you learn from it? Um, and you want, so even before any of this actually, it occurs to me to just as an ongoing basis to nurture yourself so that you feel strong inside of you, to be able to be aware of the positive that you have and, and that you offer to the world. And you can then, um, when the failure happens and you can acknowledge the feelings, then you're able to feel stronger and you can look for how did this failure, what did I learn from it, how can it help me? Um, and a really important piece is to know that you're not alone. 
that whatever the failure is, it's not a statement about you as a person, but to recognize that other people also make mistakes. It's part of being human and to remind yourself of that. And again, that brings you back around to having that, that compassion, mm-hmm. not feeling so alone. So knowledge, you want to all- compassion. Okay. So knowledge, compassion, open yourself up, look for opportunities to grow, nurture yourself, and know you're not alone. Absolutely. And I I would add to also make sure you engage in things that help you to feel good and help you to feel positive so then when you're at other times maybe doing things that stretch and grow or where you make a mistake, it's in the context of having so much in your life that feels good, it makes it easier to look at them from a more positive perspective on on failures. Oh, that's very important. That's a good one, too. Um, yeah, you know, negate some of the negativity with positivity. So great. So, you know, we're, we're talking about this, Leslie, about these New Year's resolutions and how they often lead to failure, and you kind of set yourself up for failure in many cases. So in your opinion, mm-hmm. what would be what would be a good New Year's resolution? Well, I have a couple thoughts on that. First, I don't think anybody should make a New Year's resolution that they're not ready to make. Don't make it just because it's New Year's. Because if you're not ready to make it, mm-hmm. then you're not going to follow through. Um, so, you know, make a resolution when it's the right time. And if New Year's is the right time, that's great. And the other thing I would say is, to focus on the things you have control over rather than just the end. So, for instance, let's say you really wish that you had more friends. Rather than saying, I'm going to make, you know, uh, three new friends this year, I'm going to make new friends, you might say, I'm going to do more social activities. Because you don't have control over the people that you meet, per se, but you do have much more control over the activities you do. I don't know, if you wanted to learn how to play chess, you know, rather than I'm going to become a professional chess player, I'm going to be playing chess three times a week or three hours a week or something. Again, what you have control over. Big one, of course, is I'm going to lose weight, right? Mm, Everybody wants to lose weight. That's the number one. Yeah, Yeah, that's a really common one. You know, rather than I'm going to lose X amount of pounds, how about I'm going to eat healthy and exercise? And again, being more specific can help. So I'll exercise three times a week for an hour each time. And those are things you definitely have control over. You're, you're being um, clear about what it is you're going to do. And then you're more likely to, to follow through with it. The, the more specific you are, the more you focus on things you can control. And the small steps rather than the big goal, those are good approaches to, um, to how to make a New Year's resolution. More sage advice. I mean, that, that really makes sense. Um, and and I liked how you started this just because it's New Year's and this is kind of how I introduced the show was, you know, there's just some kind of, I don't know, urgency that, you know, it's January 1 and we must put this goal on our calendar and we don't. It can be February 1. It can be March 30th. Right. <laughs> or like you say, not at all if you're not really ready to make it. So I thank you for all your time and advice and I appreciate you so much being here. Well, thank you. I really appreciate it. Thank you for for asking me to join you. I will leave you with this thought, too. I got this little tidbit in a fortune cookie, and it was really strange because I was planning this show on failure, and my husband and I went out to eat, and we got a fortune cookie. 
And of course, you know, fortune cookies never really give you a fortune. <laughs> They're more like insights. But it was so strange because I was planning this on failure and I got this. And, uh, and my fortune cookie said, men do not fail. They give up trying. So just don't give up trying. Well, it's time for our nonprofit spotlight. I want to tell you about Legal Aid of North Carolina. They are a statewide nonprofit law firm that provides free legal services in civil manners to low-income people in order to ensure equal access to justice and to remove legal barriers to economic opportunity for folks. They offer general services, of course, like fighting for victims of violence, helping to prevent homelessness, protecting income, and defending workers. But I'm spotlighting them today because of the great need for legal safeguarding during the pandemic. The organization handles things like free help with health care, um, you know, knowing about your coverage and what you're eligible for, things on employment like knowing your rights, staying safe from COVID-19 at work, knowing your rights, your employment, and COVID-19. They can help with questions such as, can I be evicted in North Carolina during the COVID-19 crisis? What's the CDC eviction moratorium? They can answer questions about housing assistance and provide updates for tenants during the coronavirus crisis. They can help in Spanish and English. So for more help, go to LegalAidNC.org. LegalAidNC.org. Speaking of all this coronavirus mess, one of the things I do as a broadcast and print journalist is write columns, and I wrote this little ode just to to be a little lighthearted, have a lighthearted moment with all the heavy-duty moments with the COVID-19 situation. So I know it's a serious situation, but just for a moment of lightheartedness, I'll read you this column. I mean, many comedians say you need this kind of break. I am far from a comedian. <laughs> I do not claim that at all. But I'm just saying, you know, everyone knows you need some, you need a break from it all. So I offer you this little column I wrote. I stood there as frozen as the slab of meat in my freezer drawer, planning my strategy for food consumption during the COVID-19 ordeal. Like a general positioning his troops, I contemplated every move. Should I move the sandwich division to every other day or keep it strong at the front lines? Was it better to call up the heavy artillery like beef, lamb, and poultry now? or save them for when the enemy retreats. With the peanut butter and jelly morale at an all-time low, I went middle of the road and decided on hamburgers for the evening meal. Ooh, but dare I splurge and add French fries to the mix? What the heck? Why not? 
given that what I really wanted was something more. True to form in times of woe, I'm craving comfort food, not burgers. I want hearty stews with mouth-watering, melt-in-your-mouth beef with tons of vegetables. Likewise, wouldn't mom's chicken noodle soup hit the spot? But alas, a recent grocery store run, and I do mean a quick run, you got to get in and out. It just laughed in my face with its empty shelves. Oh, cruel world. Fact is, even if I found the chicken, I would probably be too chicken to eat it for fear food might run out before Corona does. I know I should be thinking about other things than food during this time. I wish I was cooler and could be like those who are using the time to clean out their closets, paint their houses, or get to cleaning out that holds everything except cars container known as the garage. Or how awesome would it be to engage in all the social distancing online yoga classes or Zoom parties? <laughs> I really just do not have time for all that because tomorrow I am busy. I will be plastered in thought about how many plies of toilet paper does a person really need to maintain strong personal hygiene. Well, it's time to high-five and say goodbye. Hey, tell Alexa to put on Triangle 411 or go to Google, iHeartRadio, Pandora, Apple, etc. or our website, triangle411.buzzsprout.com triangle411.buzzsprout, B-U-Z-Z-S-P-R-O-U-T dot com to hear stories about outer space, the behind-the-scenes happenings at HGTV and Shark Tank, and to find out more on restorative help for women, working moms, and moms-turned-virtual-learning teachers. Please be sure to subscribe and like us. I'm Mary Innsbrucker for Triangle 411. Today, dot, 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 refresh 2021.